Now, it goes without saying that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is one of the most successful franchises basically in the history of the world. From the amount of money that it's made commercially, from the amount of popularity, and from how many people just know what it is and have been interested in it, even with it being a comic book franchise. Now today, we're not going to talk about that. Plenty of people have talked about that. I'll talk about that one day, but not super interested in doing it right now. Really what I want to talk about right now, though, is the Marvel Netflix shows. Now for those who are uninitiated, basically the Marvel Netflix shows are a series of 13 total shows, if I have my count right, and that's going to include a lot of different street-level characters who exist within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though technically the shows were kind of considered non-canon or never officialized, and once they were cancelled or ended, they really became more of just a background thing that happened, but didn't really impact the Cinematic Universe at all. Now, as a quick rundown, you basically have the shows of Daredevil, which follows Matthew Murdock, Jessica Jones, which follows Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, and as I'm doing this, I'm realizing the titles are pretty self-explanatory, actually, um, along with The Punisher, who would come a little bit later on and was introduced in Daredevil Season 2, and then finally The Defenders, which served as kind of the Avengers, in a way, for The Defenders, and it basically showcased all of our heroes, save for The Punisher and Elektra, who also was introduced in Daredevil Season 2, to be introduced to one another and form a team and work together. Now, as I learned from my class guide for Dungeons & Dragons, doing a countdown can get a little bit long, so I'm actually going to try and keep this super short, super consolidated, but basically we got a good old-fashioned countdown of the shows in the Marvel Netflix universe, and giving an idea of what we consider the best and what we consider the worst. Now, keep in mind, this is all going to be my opinion, based off of having watched all the shows, watched a few of them twice, um, but all of them at least one time, and basically just talking about what their deal is, how memorable they are, and how they fit into the whole Marvel Netflix universe. Now we're going to be starting from number 13. So number 13, Jessica Jones Season 2. I'm going to keep this one pretty brief, but the thing about this season in particular is on paper it should have been perhaps one of the most impactful stories for Jessica Jones, and it never felt that way. We had situations with her best friend Triss going through and kind of, or sorry, Trish rather, I called her Trish for some reason, going through in the background, and yet we never really feel the impact of it. We have a lot going on with the story of her mother and how that relates to her right now, and I'm going to try not to spoil too much of it, but it never really felt like it came together to really have a huge impact on the character of Jessica. It just felt a little all over the place and never quite found its footing, and honestly, in my opinion, is easily the most forgettable of all of the seasons of the Marvel Netflix shows, which is kind of heartbreaking because Jessica Jones is perhaps my favorite character from the Netflix shows, but that's a tight race with Daredevil, which we'll get into later on. But in any case, next we're going to go to number 12, which surprisingly is what a lot of people usually put as number 13 or the worst Marvel Netflix show, and that's going to be Iron Fist Season 1. Now, Iron Fist Season 1, don't get me wrong, it is not great, it is all over the place. The fight choreography for a character who is primarily focused on martial arts and wholeness of body, things like that, is really, really weak. And also, one of my favorite things to point out in the show is it's super obvious when the stunt double for Finn Jones, who plays the main character Danny Rand or Iron Fist, comes in, because they just look like, they look similar, but different enough that you can easily point out, it's like, oh, yeah, that's where they, that's where they cut it. Now, other than that, Season 1, I think, does get a lot of flack for the character of Danny Rand. There was a lot of controversy when it came out for whitewashing of the character, but the thing is, in the comics, as somebody who reads it, Danny Rand was always a white character, and that was actually something that was related to his character arc being very much an outsider in this culture that he was never supposed to belong to, and that ties into his relationship with Davos, which we see expanded both in the first season and the second season. But yeah, so that's a whole another thing. I think that controversy was a little bit too 
excessively played up and kind of contributed to people hating on the show even more. Not to say the show wasn't already problematic. So a little bit of a weak one. I'll admit this is a bit of a guilty pleasure even though it's not exactly high praise for television, but an okay one if you want to check it out. Also kind of forgettable. Now going forward, this might be perhaps the most controversial pick to put this low, but I'm actually going to put Punisher Season 2. Now, The Punisher Season 1, when it came out, was awe-dropping. People weren't really sure about the show, they weren't sure how the violence was going to be done, and they weren't sure how good John Berthold was going to be, even though he had already basically proven himself in Daredevil Season 2 when he kind of showcased himself as the Punisher. But Punisher Season 1 was fantastic, and you'll see it with its placing later on. Now, Season 2... It was definitely an emotional story and it hit a lot of really good beats and it's not to say even at this point we're starting to get into the shows that are just average or mediocre if a little bit forgettable. Season 2 though, it just isn't super memorable to me. For me, him and his relationship with the girl Amy, which I had to google to remember because I couldn't remember her name, was one of the high points of the show, yes, but other than that, he had the whole thing dealing with Jigsaw which wasn't super compelling even compared to the first season. I felt like the first season did it better even though it focused less on it which is kind of weird to me and the character of priest i believe it is again wasn't super impressive it was just the punisher again but now religious and had a few other things the plotline wasn't super memorable it just felt like a whole lot of things that were thrown together not nearly as cohesive as a lot of the other seasons including punisher or say any of the daredevil seasons that you would see uh, earlier before this so again a bit disappointing the fight scenes are still fantastic and absolutely savage throughout so highly recommend watching it for that if you're interested in seeing that but again probably one of the weaker plots for me which is a little bit disappointing considering that the punisher usually has very emotional storylines and of all of his appearances this is probably the one that resonated with me the least i think okay so up next in place number 10 this is probably going to be again one that might be a little bit iffy but hear me out on this the defenders now A lot of people agree The Defender is not the best of the Marvel Netflix shows, it's actually pretty far down the list, but I actually put this above Punisher Season 2 just because it's a nice payoff. Granted, it didn't live up to what we wanted it to be and it felt a little bit rushed because we only get 8 episodes as compared to a lot of the other shows either had 10 episodes or 13, which 13 always felt a little bit too long, 8's a little bit too short, 10 felt just about right to give the characters some breathing room to develop, but also to keep things focused. But the Defenders, when we did get that payoff of just seeing our different characters come together and interact, be it Daredevil and Jessica Jones, or Luke Cage and Jessica Jones seeing each other again, or Danny Rand and Luke Cage especially, that was one that I was really excited for as somebody who is a massive fan of the Heroes for Hire. That's one of my favorite comic book duos and groups in the, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, or well, the Marvel Universe rather. They haven't brought it into the Cinematic Universe quite yet. but. Just seeing those interactions was really nice, especially the scene in the, I think it was the Chinese uh, restaurant, where they're just like talking and bantering and all of that, was so nice to see as payoff. Now sadly, the hand in this uh, season felt very, very weak. It didn't really ever feel like they were a huge threat. They just felt kind of like big bad guy organization number seven, if I'm being honest. Electra, what they did to her was very disappointing. She barely speaks for the most part. She's just kind of an animalistic killer. And then the main antagonist, actually, Sigourney Weaver, who's the head of the hand, never felt super imposing, especially when you have an actress as prolific as Sigourney Weaver. You think it's going to be something that's really going to be iconic for the show, and yet she kind of just falls by the wayside at a point, and literally, no spoilers, falls by the wayside at a point in the show. But yeah, this one felt a little bit weak as far as plot, screenplay, and all of that, but I think the character interactions is really what carried this season for me. 
and what brought a lot of people to want a season two of The Defenders just because they wanted to see this expanded on and wanted more of that one-to-one -one character interaction and that group dynamic. Okay, so I have some good news. From here on out, for choices nine through one of the Marvel Netflix shows, Honestly, we're kind of past the point of having shows that are a bit all over the place and mostly unmemorable to getting into the seasons that really stuck with me a lot more and seem to be pretty enjoyable, maybe have like one or two issues here tops, but overall a good season of the show. And so we're actually gonna kick that off with Jessica Jones season three. Now, I will admit this season was not my favorite season of Jessica Jones. That would definitely be season one and we'll get into that a little bit later. But season three really was just good altogether. It was a nice recovery from season two, especially that felt like it was very meandering and didn't have much direction. Season three focuses on Jessica Jones dealing with a psychopath named Joseph Salinger, I believe is his name, and also with the rise of Hellcat, her best friend Trish, who's been kind of developing throughout the entire arc of the three seasons of Jessica Jones. And I think really the culmination of Hellcat finally becoming a full character and having her origin story effectively in this season is the thing that's the strongest about Jessica Jones season three. And we really get to see the conflict between Jessica and Trish as they kind of figure out how they interact with one another, with Trish always having been kind of idolizing Jessica and wanting to be a hero like she sees Jessica as, even though Jessica has always had this kind of self-loathing and hatred for herself and never really viewed herself as a hero, more so just viewed herself as a freak with powers who's trying to do something good to make up for the bad things that she's done in the past. And so I think seeing all of that really come together and seeing the culmination of that is just really very gratifying to see paid off after all of the seasons of buildup. And they do it pretty well, especially after seeing how Salinger kind of comes into play with all of this and how he interacts not only with Jessica, but also with Trish and the Hellcat persona. So again, this one pretty strong, a little bit meander in some points, but honestly pretty focused compared to a lot of what we've seen thus far, and really just a good season of TV. Now next up, we're gonna have number eight, which is gonna be Luke Cage season one. Now, keep in mind, Luke Cage season one is what I'd say is your perfectly average season of a Marvel Netflix show, and that's not a bad thing. Especially with the introduction of Luke Cage, this show, especially in this season, has a lot of style and swagger to it that really shows the differences in each of the Marvel Netflix shows. Daredevil always has a bit of a heavier, more grim outlook, but still has that kind of little beacon of hope expectation throughout it. Jessica Jones is very much more a detective noir kind of situation, and then Luke Cage is always very much a man of the people and focusing on very much the kind of Harlem lifestyle, that focus of community and watching out for one another, which is really nice to see come through in this season especially. One of the big threats that Luke Cage gets a lot is knowing that he may be bulletproof, but other people aren't, and so he really does have to think about how his actions interact with other people and how he can keep other people safe in Harlem. And I think especially my favorite thing about this season is just the growth of Luke Cage and also seeing him kind of grow into that role of being Harlem's hero. Now, the one big weakness that a lot of people will cite with this season is that towards the end, one of the main antagonists, Cottonmouth, kind of disappears, and I won't spoil exactly what happens to him, but he was very much a driving force for the plot. Now, he's replaced with another character who, if I'm being honest, is kind of just goofy and not nearly as intense or as serious as Cottonmouth. It feels like it went from a very real take on modern day gang violence and how that interacts with the community and things like that in the, you know, uh, in the area of Harlem to just like a Saturday morning cartoon kind of situation. And after seeing how effective and realistic the, you know, as much as you can for a superhero show, 
the early part of the season was, it just feels like such a drop in quality that it's kind of disappointing to see, especially after seeing how compelling Cottonmouth was as a villain, and even really in a lot of ways resonating with his mission, even if he is, air quotes, the bad guy. He was trying to do some good things, and you can tell that he does care about Harlem just in a different way that Luke Cage does. So that's the one weakness of this show, but honestly, throughout the first couple of episodes, getting into I think the last three is about where Cottonmouth disappears, it's just phenomenal throughout, very entertaining, very compelling, and very interesting, especially to see the dynamic between Luke Cage and Cottonmouth throughout the show. Okay, this one I might get a little flat for, but in the number seven spot, I have Iron Fist Season 2. Now, if I'm being honest, I want to personally put this season higher but I will admit, I'm a massive Iron Fist shill. I love him in the comics. The Immortal Iron Fist is one of my favorite comic book runs of all time, and I just love the character of Danny Rand because he's so chilled out and lackadaisical and just so friendly, and he's such a... He's kind of what you want in a hero. He's almost like Spider-Man in a lot of ways, minus the intelligence, but that kind of friendly charisma and caring about everybody around him, you get a lot of that from Iron Fist in the comics. That is why Iron Fist Season 1 was a big disappointment for me, is that... You never felt like he was just this happy-go-lucky guy kind of working his way through life. Just like anybody else, he just happens to have these amazing, unmeasurable martial arts uh, prowess. Season 2 gets a bit more into that. And the nice thing is, as we see in Luke Cage Season 2, there's a single episode in which Iron Fist appears, and he is completely different from Season 1. And you see him interacting with Luke Cage, and he is very much the person who is encouraging tranquility and balance and refocusing your mind, and yet still being a funny and friendly guy. And from that introduction, I realized that they were completely revamping the character of Iron Fist, which I was so happy about. And we really get to see a lot of that in Season 2, where his relationship with Colleen Wing, who is probably the best part of Season 1, if we're being honest, and I failed to mention it before, and we kind of see their relationship and his relationship with Davos expanded upon, and it's just so enjoyable to really see that they figured out what was the issue with the character previously and kind of fine-tuning and tweaking it, but still keeping what was present in season one there, which I liked. Like, he still has some issues with identity and aggression and things of that nature, but it very much feels more in line with the comic book Iron Fist, which is what I love about this season. Now, otherwise, the storyline is very much streamlined, which is nice. They got rid of a lot of the annoying boardroom politics of his company from season one, which nobody really cared about, let's be honest. And they expanded on a lot of the fan favorite characters, including, I believe it's Patrick Ward? I forget his name, actually, that's a little disappointing, but basically has his, his old background story that's actually pretty interesting that I do care about a lot, it's just been so long since I've seen the show. And also, just seeing a lot of the villains, so Davos, as mentioned from season one, returns, and now he's a much more antagonistic force. And along with that, we have a character known as Mary, or from the comic book, she's known as Typhoid Mary, who is really, really threatening throughout. Like, she's really scary to see. And a lot of the time when she's dealing with Iron Fist, like, he may be a master of martial arts, at least from the comics, but, like, she kind of shows him the business a few times. So she's a great villain. She has a really interesting backstory, and it's one of those backstories that's kind of great because not only does it have... A lot of tragedy but as you get closer and closer to the modern day and seeing where she ended up before she dealt with Iron Fist you can see all of it kind of come together and even the way that she interacts with Iron Fist because she has um, a few different interactions with him that I won't spoil too much it's just very nice to see that it doesn't always have to be fully antagonistic and the way they handled Typhoid Mary especially I think was very well done for what people expected going into the series so overall this one is personally a very big fan favorite for me personally 
overall, I think it's very solid, a slightly above average uh, season of a show. Again, putting it very slightly above Luke Cage, I know some people might disagree with that, but you know, all about biases and personal opinions. Okay, so we're getting pretty down to the wire with this top six from here, if I'm being honest. Um, I will say the next two could probably be swapped around in my brain and I'd be fine with either one of them, but I'm gonna say it like this just so we have a list format. So next up on the list is gonna be Punisher Season 1 in the number six spot. Now Punisher Season 1 is... Oh goodness, how is it? How can I even explain this? So when Punisher Season 1 was first announced, people were freaking out because Daredevil Season 2 had come out, it had an arc involving the Punisher, and most people agreed that that was easily the best part of the season. And that's saying a lot considering how well regarded Daredevil as a kind of a three season show was. And so the thing with Punisher season one is that people were slightly afraid that it wouldn't quite measure up to his appearances in those. But overall people just thought, yeah, no, they're gonna, they're gonna do fine with it. And they really, they did better than fine. They handled the Punisher in such a way that he was still a very violent and frightening and aggressive character that you'd expect from the comics, and yet they somehow managed to do it slightly tactfully enough that it didn't feel like a PSA on gun violence and things of that nature, because that's a very tricky line to handle with the Punisher especially. I think Punisher in the comics has either been handled well or been handled horribly in that he just feels like a sociopath who has no kind of development, when he can be a very emotional character if done right. And that's what I think they do in this season, is that they show that he's not necessarily happy and he doesn't even condone his own actions, but he's doing this because he feels as if there's no other option to handle it as effectively, and there's no other way he really can do it. And he knows that he's a monster in his own book, like he classifies himself as the bad guy whether he says it or not, through just the way he kind of self-reflects and some of the smaller moments throughout the season. And yet, despite this, you have those moments of respite and reflection, and then the rest of the season is just him going to town on people. The story is very tight, it's very focused on just him solving the murder of his family and getting more into the conspiracy behind that. And that's really all you need. They don't over-convolute it with a lot of big superheroes and supervillains from the comic books. You have a few of them pop up here and there, namely his old friend Russo or Jigsaw as he would later become in season two. And his interaction with uh, Russo especially, I think, is one of the strong points where you see they come from very similar backgrounds, they had this very close relationship, and just seeing as they diverge, which as I think about it, they do that a lot in the Netflix shows between, you know, Punisher and Russo, um, also seeing Luke Cage and Cottonmouth, and then also seeing Trish and Jessica Jones, but that's a whole another thing I'll talk about one day. But yeah, just seeing season one, it really came together in such a way that the violence is frightening and overwhelming, but it's still like handled in a way that is digestible for people watching the show. And it's just very tight, very meticulous, the writing is very good for it, it's very focused, and it never really loses track of itself. This one especially I think is one that doesn't have the issue that a lot of the 13 episode seasons have, where it kind of meanders for a bit. This one feels like it uses those episodes pretty well for either developing the character or developing the world surrounding the Punisher for further expansion, which I think is just very effectively done. Oh, actually, before I forget, the character of Micro in Punisher Season 1, fantastic. Very disappointed he didn't come back in Season 2. I think one thing that's interesting about the Punisher is even though his stories are a bit more grounded and have less, you know, over-the-top comic book characters in it, I think that the characters of Micro and character of Amy in Season 2 especially show that his supporting cast it can be very, very strong despite being very down-to-earth. And that's one thing that's really nice about the Marvel Netflix shows 
is that they don't always feel the need to be super over top and over, you know, larger than life kind of situation that we see in a lot of the Marvel movies uh, specifically. So yeah, just thought I'd mention that. Punisher has some really good supporting cast and I think that's to be appreciated about uh, both of the seasons, honestly. Now, as we get into the top five, this I think is where I'd put the line of just straight up fantastic comic book TV shows. Now, I really deliberated on a, for a while about whether I wanted to put Punisher as number five or Luke Cage season two as number five. The thing with the Punisher though, is that it is based off of a comic book character, yes, of course, but it felt like it could have been anything else. Like it didn't have to be a superhero comic per se, because the Punisher at the end of the day is just a normal guy. Now with Luke Cage season two, which is gonna be in our number five spot, it feels like, of course, Luke Cage is not just a human. He is bulletproof, he is nearly unstoppable in a lot of ways, and he is a dangerous man. Luckily, he's a hero, so we love that. But in season two, we have him going up against Bushmaster, who is another enhanced superhuman who has kind of a nice herbalism and kind of, uh, it's hard to explain him actually. It's almost like a mixture of shamanism, again, alchemy and different herbs that kind of give him power but he is very much a foil to Luke Cage, I'd say even more so than Cottonmouth was, just in that he's doing what he does to represent his community. He's basically a Jamaican character who came and immigrated to America and is now trying to take over and support his, you know, faction to slowly take over Harlem. And the thing about this is that he is very much an equal for Luke Cage physically, although his abilities kind of are more about agility, flexibility, and things of that nature, whereas Luke Cage is more strength, durability, and all of that. And I think that's just a very interesting dynamic. But overall, this season of the show is just tight start to finish. It has a very strong arc for Luke, which I think is very different from his season one arc, where he's starting to question if he needs to be the good guy all the time, or if he can be a bad guy. And the ending of the season actually really ends poignantly with how he decides to approach this. So I highly recommend watching this one again. I'm trying not to spoil too much of it. And then of course, as previously mentioned, it has the guest appearance of Iron Fist, which is perhaps one of my favorite episodes of any show for the Marvel Netflix shows, just because it is so happy and so enjoyable and such a peek into Heroes for Hire. It's so heartbreaking that the Marvel Netflix shows had to be canceled because I feel like we were getting that down the line. This show was literally like a pilot episode for it, but in any case. So number five, again, Luke Cage season two, rather. Season one was good, but season two really upped the ante in a lot of ways, introduced a lot of new characters, and handled the existing characters in very interesting and unique ways that we did not see previously. So this one, start to finish, highly recommend. It is just nonstop enjoyable. All right, number four. So once again, these ones were very hard to place, but I'm going to have to place Daredevil season two in slot number four. Now, amazingly, this entire time we have not reached Daredevil, even though he is the one that kicked it off. That still blows my mind in that Daredevil seasons one, two, and three, I would still consider top five of the Marvel Netflix shows, every single one of them taking up a different slot, and that is mind-boggling to me. Now, season two, I'll admit, is actually possibly my favorite season of Daredevil, weirdly enough, but I think being objective about it, it has some issues in that it is totally all over the place. It kind of almost has three different arcs. It has the Punisher arc at the beginning, the Elektra arc in the middle, and then it kind of goes into another arc relating to Elektra, and also slightly incorporating the Punisher, but not really, at the very end. So it's almost like three smaller seasons of kind of like a comic book, as it were. <laughs> I know, imagine that. And so 
I think that season two though is again just start to finish really really well done granted yes some people enjoy different arcs more a lot of people prefer the punisher arc at the very beginning i actually personally enjoy the Electra arc a little bit more just because it gives us a lot of lore and background story about matt and just his story to becoming daredevil and how he developed his different morals and i also think Electra as a character yes she's very flirtatious and can that can kind of grate on it because i feel like they could have done more with her but I do like when they do delve into her character and show how she's thinking and what her thought process is because she's very much a damaged character in a lot of ways and I think that's why her and Matt kind of resonate so well. But not going into all of that right now in any case, I think that season 2 is also the point in which Marvel's Netflix shows realized, yeah they can stay grounded and they can be very gritty and realistic and kind of skew the comics towards more realism, but also they can still be ridiculous. This is where we got the Punisher, where he is perhaps his most crazy and insane um, out of every season that we see him in. We get to see Elektra, we get to see the crazy ninja stuff that is the hand and how they are, and this is probably the season where they're most intimidating because they just seem like this force that cannot be tracked or stopped. So really recommend this one. This one's a blast from start to finish. And on rewatch, this is probably the season I've rewatched the most as well, which is why I really have a big preference towards it. You can really watch it in small chunks if you want to just watch the Punisher arc, the Elektra arc, or the very end of the Hand arc. All very much things you could definitely do. Now, I almost made an executive decision just now to change my number two and number three spots, but I'm going to stick with it. So in the number three spot, I'm going to put Jessica Jones season one. Now again, this is one that I want to put higher even though it's only number three, which is a good spot already. But Jessica Jones season one is amazing. It was the first show to come out outside of Daredevil. It had an amazing villain in the form of David Tennant's Kilgraves, who basically has the ability to, anything he says, if somebody hears it, they have to obey him. So it's basically and effectively mind control. It introduces the character of Jessica Jones and shows how damaged and how hard of a life she's had. And it really just brings so many things to the table from showing how messed up superpowers can be and showing how sometimes it's not a blessing. She only catches the attention of Kilgrave because she has superpowers and she really hates a lot of her powers for that as a result. But this one from start to finish I think is just such an amazing analysis of not only the character of Jessica but also the character of David Tennant's Kilgraves. It actually shows that a lot of the things that happened to him it really has warped his reality and his perception of life. And so I think that's just very interesting, the fact that they decided to go into that and did it pretty effectively, not showing that he's a good guy, he's still not a good guy, but you also understand how he got there, which is, I think, one of the scariest things to me about this season. But otherwise, it's a very interesting deep dive on trauma and also on just the perception of superpowers. As mentioned, this is the beginning of the Trish arc as she slowly becomes more and more kind of idolizing almost in a way uh, Jessica and wanting to have superpowers even though Jessica does not want her powers. I'm fairly certain and again it's been some time since I watched this season there's a scene where they're talking about this and Jessica is actively just elaborating on the fact that she does not want these powers and Trish is almost scolding her because she's saying that she has a responsibility with these powers. So I think all of that is just so well done. A lot of the reveals as well there's characters that you see in later seasons who are completely different in the first season for a number of spoiler reasons. But again, just a phenomenal show. This one I've rewatched a lot just because it never really loses its kick. And it just delves into so many different themes and subjects that it's just uh, a masterpiece, really. Now, as we get into the number two and number one spot, I'm actually going to talk about these two in tandem with each other. The number two spot is going to go to Daredevil Season 3. And the number one spot is going to have to go to the OG, the original, the one that started it all, the Daredevil Season 1, as it were. 
Now, the thing about Daredevil is that of every character in the Marvel Netflix series, he's the one that feels like he most got an arc from start to finish. Jessica Jones is the other one who did get three seasons to her story, and it's very nice, but the interesting thing about Jessica Jones is that it felt like she was coming to terms with being a hero, and she always was a hero. She, Whether she realized it or not, it was more of that self-realization, and for some reason it just felt like it didn't pack as much of an impact. The interesting thing about Jessica Jones is that a lot of her arc really felt like focusing on Trish and seeing her beginning as a friend to her to eventually becoming Hellcat, which I think is to be commended. The fact that the show really focuses on somebody else besides Jessica, but also still gets into a lot of the trauma that Jessica had. I still think that Jessica had more to be explored later on, and I feel like that's why it didn't quite cap it off in the same way that Daredevil did. Now, Daredevil Season 1 was the very beginning of the Netflix shows, and I think the thing that's interesting about it is that when people went into it, they didn't really know what to expect. When they saw this very gritty, very realistic, and very grounded series of episodes that created the first season, people realized this is something that can make things happen. We can really go a lot of ways with this, and we want to see the characters expand from here. No one knew that we would see Iron Fist later on, no one knew we would see Luke Cage even. When Luke Cage appeared in Jessica Jones Season 1, that was like a mic drop moment almost for a lot of people. And so seeing Season 1 of Daredevil really start as the foundation, it was this amazing, amazing thing, seeing just how successful it would eventually become. And that really culminates in Season 3 as well. The thing about season 1 and season 3 of Daredevil is that they feel as if every single episode is put to very efficient use. Every scene comes back into play, it has a lot of impact, and nothing really feels like it was ever extraneous or useless. Every bit of character development from Foggy Nelson, who again also has an amazing character arc, from Karen Page, and also of course Matt Murdock himself, and even Kingpin and some of their other villains, you feel as if everything is so tight and so pre-planned and so figured out that you really want that same feeling to go to the other Netflix shows. And even Luke Cage, as strong of a set of seasons that one had, it felt like it never had finality because it felt like there was still space for one final season, which unfortunately the Netflix series were canceled at that point. But you felt that, and you also felt that with Iron Fist because both of those very much left off on cliffhangers for their third seasons. Daredevil really was the swan song that got that final season to end things out. And you really saw Matt go from this broken, damaged individual who's been struggling with guilt so long for so many things in his life, and you really get to see him cap off and come to terms with who he's meant to be and what his role in the city is and understanding that he is the good guy. And weirdly enough, we have that same arc that Jessica Jones had in a lot of ways, but the way that they handle it with Matt Murdock, it always felt more real and it always felt like it was informing almost every decision that he made. There are so many romances that he doesn't pursue, so many job opportunities in so many ways that he doesn't go after. It's interesting because in a lot of ways, think of him as a much darker version of Spider-Man, because again, that's a very common analogy that people can use, where Spider-Man misses out on a lot of opportunities because he has to be a hero. If you take Matt Murdock, he's much the same, except he's much more grounded, a lot of his issues feel a bit more impactful, and the world surrounding him seems a lot darker, especially in these shows. And so... Again, now this is just me basically just going off as a fan about these shows, but really season 1 and season 3, I can barely differentiate between them because one is the start and one is the climax in a lot of ways, and yet they both tell their own self-contained stories that are so just perfect from start to finish. So these I think really epitomize what the heights of the Marvel Netflix show were, and I'd say watching 
Daredevil season one all the way up through season three is definitely something you can do. I haven't been able to do it fully because that's a lot of shows to watch, but I've definitely watched season one through two and then two through three in separate sittings. And it really does have a lot of cohesion, as long as you know what happens in The Defenders, because some things happens to Matt in The Defenders, I won't spoil it here, but you know, as long as you know what happens to him there, that will bridge any uh, missing links that you may have. So yeah, that is me fanboying about The Defenders and Marvel for a whole lot of minutes. This is way longer than I ever expected these to be, but as a super quick rundown. In the number 13 spot, we have Jessica Jones season two. Number 12, we have Iron Fist season one. Number 11, we have Punisher Season 2, probably should be higher, admittedly. Number 10, we have The Defenders. Number 9, Jessica Jones Season 3, Luke Cage Season 1 in the number 8 spot, Iron Fist Season 2 in the number 7 spot, and then in our cream of the crop of the Marvel Netflix shows, we have number 6, Punisher Season 1, number 5, Luke Cage Season 2, number 4, Daredevil Season 2, number 3, Jessica Jones Season 1, and in our number 2 spot, Daredevil Season 3, followed by our number one spot of Daredevil Season 1. So, this has been super long, but I hope this has been enjoyable and a fun little guide to the Marvel Netflix shows. If you have seen them, definitely let me know your thoughts. They have a lot of different styles and a lot of different flavors. But in any case, I'm going to close this one up quickly. Stay well, stay safe, and I hope you have a good one, friend. Bye. Also, bonus little thing, I realized I called the bad guy in Punisher Season 2, like, priest or something. His actual name is Pilgrim. That shows how forgettable he was. Okay, bye again.